Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. The MMA and combat sports space is a busy one as always, so let us not waste one more second and introduce the participants on this week's program. First, a man who has talked a lot this week just because he's hosted multiple shows, he's been on multiple shows, and now he's on another one, Mr. No Gray Area, a man with takes so hot, you'll need two air conditioners in your room but will those takes finally get him a victory over the champion? He now has longer hair than the champion. Let's find out. Jed Mishu is here. How are you? First of all, I think I won the first the first battle with Drake. I absolutely should have won our most recent contest, and I think even Drake would admit that, but his fan base is, is simply too strong. And third, <laughs> I, now know what it, I now know what you felt like when you were on Radio Row and just talked a lot because... I've been doing a lot of talking this week, and I gotta be honest, I'm even tired of me at this point. Oh yeah, there's nothing. There's no feeling better than by fight day, you just don't want to hear yourself. Well, and I feel like you're, you might be in that situation, but who knows? This this show brings a, a little bit of a different a different vibe out of Jed Bashu as he takes on the reigning champion. We handle our and the old regional pro wrestling titles where we don't just like throw title matches on every show we space them out we make sure it's big money big ticket sales mma mania's drake riggs looks to keep that belt on the proverbial mantle although he doesn't have a belt officially but he has a new haircut hello my friend Hey, yeah, I know I'm a new man, nice and fresh, growing the locks out for what it was a little over two years. And no, I know we need to make an official like BTL belt. What are we doing? Oh, doesn't I don't, suit I don't you? Like the haircut? No, good? no you gotta <laughs> gotta go back. It's, it's way cooler. All right, give me some time. Why don't you like? Why don't <laughs> you like it, Jed? Years? 
Because it's just, this is, I don't know this, Drake. This is, uh, and change is bad. As we all know, change is a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I don't like it. Fair yeah, enough. I'm growing my hair out, as you can see. So uh, let's good. get into this thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be gone tomorrow morning. Let's get into this thing because, as everybody knows by now, Nate Diaz was on the MMA Hour on Tuesday. And the long and the short of it, he didn't really say anything we didn't already know or anything we hadn't been already speculating. But I will say, like, when you get to hear it from the man himself and you have somebody like Ariel asking him those types of questions, it just provides more context. It just seems more real. Like, we finally get to, to understand where the man is coming from. But he's made it very clear to the UFC and anyone who is a fan of the UFC, to the promotion, cut the crap, give me my last fight, let me go on my merry way. I have no interest in re-signing or extending my deal. I want out, just give me my final fight. Of course, to be fair, we didn't hear from the other side. There's two sides to every story. But this current chapter in the UFC versus Diaz saga is sort of consistent to everything we thought we knew about the situation, Drake. So your reaction to the interview, Nate's thoughts on everything, etc. now that we got to hear from Mr. 209 himself. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, I thought it was majorly just your typical Diaz kind of ramble-a-thon, at least in the very end of it. Like the first 10 minutes, I found the most fascinating because, you know, he's getting warmed up a little bit, talking uh not giving as long of answers and as being as comfortable as he ended up being towards the end of the show which kind of lost my interest you know don't really nothing i was too interested in hearing about but um it was interesting though to kind of hear him just speak about it on the platform that he was on with the ma hour and it's always interesting with ariel and um yeah he didn't say anything too new the thing i found most interesting was him kind of talking about going back to the Benson Henderson title fight, his only UFC title fight and around that time where he was kind of wanting out a little bit is how he said it. And maybe realizing that the pay wasn't as good as it should arguably be kind of highlighting what he was making around then and whatnot. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it didn't really tell us anything too new. I mean, he said that Hamzat declined him and whatnot. Of course, he's never going to say that he's the one turning down these fights and whatnot. We don't really know exactly who is. Um, it's always, you know, what he said, she said, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it would be nice and really great to see him just get what he wants because he doesn't want to be there anymore and be let go. But we know that's never going to happen. UFC is going to hang on to him for one more and most likely that counter trilogy. Uh, or something like that just to get him out of there, even though they didn't want the Hamzat one. And that doesn't seem like it will be happening at this point for whatever reasons. Um, but also, Ariel pointed out right after, and I thought it was kind of interesting to note how Nate never actually said anything negative specifically about like, you know, the UFC or Dana being like dickheads to him or anything of that sort. He was just saying, you know, I want out, you know, I don't, I'm just kind of sick of this. I'm over it. It's not about the money for me anymore. I got enough money. I just want to be able to go do my own thing. So it's good, I think, that he got to do that and talk about it for as long as he did. But if you've been following kind of the story, none of the stuff he said should really surprise you or be too new. But overall, I think it's always good to have the kind of conversations that he's bringing up and you know, people talking about independent contractors and yada yada, especially in the same week that Dana gives out 250 bucks to some 
guy. <laughs> so, yeah. 250,000 yeah, bucks. 250,000 bucks. That, that, right. Yes. <laughs> hey, that was a part of it. Different numbers. <laughs> yeah, definitely different numbers. Uh, Jed, I mean, I don't know how many times on the show we have talked about the Nate Diaz UFC thing, but now this wasn't a tweet from Nate Diaz. This wasn't Dana White talking to the media about Nate Diaz after a tweet, after a press conference promoting an event in the future. We got to hear from the man himself in an extended amount of time. So your thoughts on what Nate Diaz had to say? Has it changed your perspective? Do you view the situation in any different way than you did a month ago when we last talked about it? No, because he said everything that I've been saying, that you've been saying, that that we all knew. Like this is – this just is what it is as far as this goes. And it's really unfortunate uh, that Nate's in this situation because – uh, the only thing he said that was different or really felt like that that really stood out to me uh, was, and I can't remember the exact wording, so uh, sorry about this, but it was about how when he signed his contract, he felt like he was he was fighting for his life function. Like this is that, and like that, just that framing really jumped out at me. But the rest was all like, yeah, he clearly doesn't want to be here anymore. He hasn't for a while. Um, that's why he has been so adamant about getting a fight. Uh, and it's really super shitty that the UFC can do this to people, uh, because they just shouldn't be able to, like, you shouldn't be able to freeze somebody out who actively wants to fight. Uh, there, there is no good faith clause obviously in their contracts because very clearly they are not working in good faith. And that like, that's, they obviously want to hold him for a specific fight, uh, or hold hold this over him for re-signing him purposes, and should they not be able to re-sign him, they want to give him the worst possible fight for him. And this is nothing new; they've done this for a long time with a lot of people. It doesn't make it doesn't make predatory business just because predatory business practices go on doesn't make them any more palatable. Still, really, really shitty. Um, and so it, it sucks to hear it directly from the horse's mouth. But again, this is stuff we knew. Uh, the thing that I, I took the most from it is that Nate could have, could have gone another way with this. And instead, like you noted, uh, like Drake, you know, uh, like Drake noted, not you, sorry, Mike, he, he didn't say anything super negative about the UFC. He just said, Hey, they've been great. I want to leave, uh, which is a really mature way to handle this because when one party holds all the power, being real you know, mad at them as justifiable as it would be is not going to help them at all. He is largely forced into hoping for the good graces of Dana White or somebody to just stop being a huge piece of shit. Um, because that's all this is. Like, it, it, it is that simple. And if you are one of the people who are, are licking the corporate boots, just get, get the hell off the program, man. Like, I'm not going to say anything that's going to make you happy. Uh, and nothing will make you happy because there's obviously a big hole in your life where you weren't loved enough to think that shit like this is okay because it's super, super not. So, yeah, uh, the UFC is doing an awful thing to a fighter that I'm not even, like, a huge fan of. Like, I like Nate fine, but I've never been, like, a Diaz dude. But he's objectively in the right, this like, in this situation. Then he should be able to go apply his trade elsewhere. Like, he, if he wants to go box or whatever or do jujitsu. Let him go do that. You can just it it takes so little to just be a good company and they but they really super will not do it. And that sucks. 
Yeah, and that's the thing because Nate Nate is a very opportunistic guy. He's a sly, sly individual because of the surface. And I've had friends who have watched the Diaz-McGregor fights. They know who Nate is, but they aren't fully engulfed in the sport. They'll say to me, you know, Nate's Nate's a burnout. He thinks he's bigger than he is. Why would the UFC cater to him and all of these oh, things? And then not. I just tell them like, yeah, but this guy, he's smart, he's cunning, and he's been uber successful because of how cunning and how smart he is. And it's led him to not lose any steam at all despite some of these losses that he's had. And a couple of them have been pretty one-sided. You go back to the Mazadal fight at UFC 244, he got, I mean, he got wrecked in that fight. That fight was not close. That was not competitive. And Diaz still was able to gain some steam from that, even though it was a one-sided beatdown. But I mean, it's just, it's just crazy the way he's able to do this. And very, like I said, he's an opportunistic guy. And if the UFC just let him do what he wants like just give him his fight let him move on with his life who knows maybe two years down the road they offered eight something exactly. he says okay and comes back like why why can't you just have your cake and eat it too so let me ask you this jed it's february 2023 all right we're gonna jump in the we're gonna move up in time here are we are we talking about diaz post ufc life in February 2023, or are we still having a very similar discussion on this show and on other shows? I think he's gone by 2023, but you make exactly the right point of like selfishness and being a being like a cutthroat business person is almost I'm not even almost it's all it is always a short sighted tactic. Like you could just not be shitty and life will unfold in a substantially better way for you. Like Maybe, maybe this isn't isn't the incident that inspires people to be pissed off. But like, there is an endless supply of ammunition for any disgruntled UFC fighter to be like, "Hey, this is all bad, and we should fix it." And at some point, all of that will add up. And this is another piece to that of, "Hey, they sold a billion dollar company, and I still am begging for cash handouts at the end of fights." Hey. Dana White just gave a quarter million dollars to to dudes who make who already have more money than me because they're YouTubers or whatever. Hey, all of our contracts are like they're super predatory and entirely one way. And one of the biggest stars in the sport got screwed. If they can do that to Nate, oh, oh my God, what can they do to me? Like all of these things will eventually add up to make things worse uh, for the company in the long run. Whereas if you're just not an asshole it all works out better. And like you said, maybe Nate does come back. Maybe Nate goes because right now he clearly wants to go box. Maybe he goes and he boxes, he makes big payday or whatever. Maybe he gets one or two of them. And maybe then at the end of it, he's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing my options dry up a little bit here. I can go back to the UFC and there's a big fights in, with UFC fighters for me. Like that's, that's always a thing, but they, it's not how they operate. They're entirely short-sighted and to some extent it's, it, it works because they're, you know, a billion dollar in, entity. But like, I often think that's, we don't know what they could have been because they could have been substantially more. And the last point here to make is that like this, for any of the people who are pro UFC here, one, you're stupid. I'm just going to tell you that straight up Two, this is not a Nate Diaz thinks he's too big for his britches. Because, as he said, and sure, you can debate the veracity of this, but there's no reason, like, there's no 
reasonable reason to think that he is false, that they are offering him essentially more money than he's ever made to make him one of the highest paid athletes in the sport. Like that is entirely credible because he is that big a draw. People know him and love him. And so this this is entirely about control. And the UFC wants it and Nate wants wants to control himself. He does not want to be in the situation he's in. And they, they should let him go because it's the morally correct thing to do. And if they refuse, they should at least give him a fight. And I think that at some point it feels like Nate has finally learned he just has to say yes to whoever and they have to offer him a fight, he will just say yes, fight it. Same thing I've been saying forever, dude. Just go in there, have your corner throw in the towel, leave the company, and be on your way. Drake, February 2023, true or false, Nate Diaz still under contract at the UFC. Oh, um, man. That's like, I think that's the perfect timeline right there, Mike, to where we could you know, have something figured out for sure. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say false. I think that he will end up getting a fight maybe around the end of the year. Maybe could be, you know, the first uh, event of 2023, January. Um, but I'm going to say false. I think he'll be out by then. And the whole idea of, you know, him potentially coming back. I like everything Jed's saying. I think there's, you know, great merit to it and he's making a lot of good points. But I don't know. I struggle to see, and I guess it could be different with someone like Nate. Uh, I struggle to see him coming back to the UFC at any point after leaving, considering what he could make or get from it out of there, even though he is saying, you know, it's not about the money for him and he wants to do these different types of challenges. He'll take on anybody, yada, yada. Um, once he just sees that freedom and ability to do so much more, with his fighting career and opportunities it makes me think, why would I go back to there when it was this way before? Like, what are the odds of it changing despite maybe the movement it could create? Like Jed mentioned, it's probably not going to be quick enough in the lifespan of an ADS fight career where he's still relevant enough. And yes, he says he's never going to retire. So who knows? We could see Nate Diaz fighting into his sixties for all we know, but we don't want to see that, do we? So, uh, it's a very interesting dynamic with someone like him who also at the same time, if we're going to be completely honest, isn't like the best fighter or anything. So who knows if he goes on to box and whatnot and gets beat up and doesn't have a lot of success, but he's still drawing numbers because he's Nate Diaz and just wants to have these fights to have them and whatnot like would the ufc even be interested at that point so there's a lot of different things to go into with someone like him who's not let's say in the prime of their career and doing as good as they have ever but ultimately i think that 2023 february uh we'll get something done it seems like dana is it's always hard to tell with him but like he's leaning towards getting kind of tired of this as well at least from the minimal interactions that he's spoken about and saying oh he should probably go fight jake paul like it makes me think maybe if this can ramp up more and this is a great continuation with this uh, long interview that he did he'll, he'll do something they'll they'll get something together somebody will fight him i mean who's gonna say no to nate diaz anyway and he's just got to say yes to whoever it is in the long run yeah, he wants to fight in July and, or August, and I doubt that happens, but who knows? Maybe February 2023 will be out of there. But uh, last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Drake, Jet, Jet, uh, maybe this whole situation gets this something that pisses everybody off. They're like, well, they can do this to Nate. Maybe they can, they'll do this to anybody. So 
does this change anything for the future? Like, does this situation, in your opinion, open the eyes to the rest of the roster in any way? Like, we all want this to happen, right? We all want that shoe to drop somewhere. We all want these fighters to come together and get more and get what they're worth and get what they deserve, what they deserve. And they just won't do it. Like a four point two billion dollars do it. One billion dollars a year, essentially, from, from for the UFC in profits. This ESPN deal that is making them money hand over fist. None of this stuff has done it. Does this situation change a thing in that regard? I don't think so. I don't think Nate's the guy for that. I mean, we've seen already that they can go on and do just fine without him, and they can, you know, pretty much go on and do just fine without anybody. But if this was someone like Connor, for example, that's obviously the guy who would be able to you look at him and be like, oh, wow, he's actually the one in this spot now. I think that would be a lot different than someone like Nate who – you know, has not been very active and not to say Connor has either, but it's still Connor. And there are levels to this. And you can always make that argument that Connor supremely elevated Nate's popularity once their fights happen. I don't even know if that's a debate anymore, really. I think uh, it's kind of that's just fact when you look at everything. So I wouldn't say that Nate is the guy, honestly, and as popular as he is and as long as he's been around. Um, we've seen it time and time again with many people. But Connor, I think, would be that guy. He's, you know, the top of the mountain when it comes to all that stuff. Jed, anything, any steps forward at all, or is there a better chance of the UFC bringing in another reality show called The Ultimate Contender, where they combine Tough and the Contender Series into one super show, and we could just bring in prospects to make uh, way less money than Nate or Connor or anybody else is making? Yeah, they, they don't need a new show. They just have an endless supply of fine people off the Contender Series to make 10 and 10. Cheap labor, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that is, uh, there's not much else to say on that topic. Like that—that that is what the contender series is. And if you guys don't see that, you're just not paying attention. That's all it is. Well, let's move on. It was uh, again. If you haven't watched the actual interview, I highly suggest you take a little over an hour of your time and go watch it because Nate opens up and oh, he's very respectful. Rules. Yeah, Machiavelli rules. We got uh, Chris Avila. I was <laughs> the, Chris Avila just, just takes over for a minute. Everybody's favorite. Everyone on, yeah. loves Chris Avila. Nate, Nate literally takes a piss break and Chris Avila subs in. And then Nick Maximoff shows up for a couple minutes. I mean, literally the whole the whole Diaz crew uh, was there at some point. So it was really good stuff. Uh, kudos to Ariel for making it happen. But the point for round one goes to... To the man with more hair, Jed Mishu. It is one to nothing. Good start to the to the battle. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's move on to things that actually happened inside the octagon, like this past Saturday. 
Raphael Faziv gets his big opportunity, gets to headline a card against a former world champion in Rafael Dos Anjos. It was the battle of the, the Rafaels or the Rafaels, however you want to put it. In the end, it was Rafael who gets it done. He was up 3-1, at least on my scorecard, heading into that fifth round. Goes in, puts RDA away quick in the fifth round. I know people were complaining about the stoppage, but there's nothing to complain about, especially if you watched the slow-mos and the alternate angles of the replays. Mark Smith did a great job. This is not a controversial stoppage whatsoever. And Rafael Fazib gets it done. So, Jed, this is your division. You have sung the praises of the lightweight division for years. You continue to do so. And now we have this exciting crop of talents moving on up at 155. We talked about it on the ranking show. But how impressed were you with this performance from Rafael Fazib? What is the ceiling on this man after watching him put away a very durable guy, especially at 155 and Rafael Dos Anjos. I was super impressed. Um, I liked uh, Rafael Fazeev, but I didn't know how much. I mean, he, we'd, we'd seen him have some setbacks. Uh, yeah, some setbacks. We'd seen him not even look like the best, but uh, when when he got his biggest fight, he, he showed up. And you can say that Sure, RDA is a, a thousand, and so that win you take some of the shine off it. But RDA is still a very good fighter. That that did not look that much to me like RDA was diminished. It looked like he just didn't have the tools to to win the fight. He tried to do the things he wanted to do, and couldn't couldn't do them enough. Uh, it 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 actually boosted my estimation of Fazeev. Um, so before that, I had before that fight. I had kind of preset my rankings uh, to where I thought everything would be, and then I'd adjust for the last couple of fights that, that were relevant. And I had Fazeev, I think, at like top 10-ish in the division, uh, sort of on that cusp. Uh, one, one like him and RDA were right there. And after that fight, uh, because of his, because of what he did there, because of a lot of the things he showed, and frankly, just because of his style. I think this. I, I he's my number five lightweight in this in this iteration of the rankings. Like I think he, and I and I could be wrong on that because he would. I think I'd still pick Matuš Gamera and Armand Sarukian to beat him, but he could give both of those guys a ton of trouble, and he can really give most people in this division a, a tough fight. He is he has blossomed into one of the best lightweights in the world, and so I, I don't think he's ever going to win the belt. But we talked in the ranking show earlier this week. I think we all sort of unanimously agreed he's probably going to be the first guy among this crop of rising contenders to get a title shot just because he feels the closest. And his call-outs are strange but oddly oddly appealing. Like I, I enjoyed the, the Rafael Nadal call-out. I thought that that was amusing. It's certainly different. Uh, and, you know, he, he's the one true Rafael now. Ralph, Ralph Dos Anjos is uh, – He's not it anymore. He's Ralph, and no one likes a Ralph. That's Ralph is Ralph is a Ralph is what you say when someone's throwing it up, and you're in like middle school. And like, yeah, kids out back Ralph, and it's it just is what it is. So, give me Rafael Fazeev uh, to challenge for the belt within the next eighteen months to a year, because lightweight is incredibly constipated at the top because everybody just refuses to do anything cool up there. Uh, they all just Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier want to fight each other, despite having not beaten somebody outside of their little bubble in like ten years or something stupid. So, yeah, uh, I, I, it might take a while, but I do think within the next eighteen months he will challenge for the title. 
Drake, what did you think? Did, did it live up to the expectations? Are you as high on Fazeev as, as Jed is and, and a lot of other people are? What did you think of this performance? I, I think it was undeniably a very good performance by him. Um, I didn't really know what to expect out of it, though, you know, going in. I knew it would be a very interesting matchup for him and one that we kind of needed to see against somebody like RDA, who, yeah, I don't think is over the hill yet or anything like that. I think he could still hang with a lot of the guys. And I think that he did hang with Fazeev despite, you know, comfortably kind of losing his way up until the finish and then, you know, obviously definitively losing and getting knocked out. Um cleanly like in real time yeah that did look a little quick but i'm glad you mentioned that mike because it was actually a pretty pretty darn good stoppage by the ref there what i believe it was mark smith who jumped in uh had a great timing but uh yeah no fiziev looked great and i think the most important thing we kind of saw out of this and we already knew that his takedown defense was good as they kind of continued to remind us throughout the entire fight but uh what was most impressive to me was seeing his takedown defense continually tested and him kind of passing with uh, pretty flying colors there. I know what they calculated one at, at least out of there, maybe two uh, by the time it was over, but still was never in really any big trouble in that regard. And for a striker of his caliber being, you know, one of the very best in the division, I think that was huge, especially considering who was at the top of the division, you know, two phenomenal grapplers in very different um, aspects, Charles Oliveira and then Islam Makachev. And so I think that we will, I would not at all be surprised if Fazeev challenges for the title. I think he definitely will challenge for the title at some point. I'm not sure how soon 18 months still feels kind of quick to me just because of how weird lightweight is right now and what is all kind of going on with it and who's around and, you know, Connor potentially jumping in to <laughs> make things last even longer for whomever. But, um, yeah, I think that he will be a title challenger at some point. But to call say he'll be champion, I'm not quite ready to say that just because of the challenges that styles like Oliveira and Makachev specifically provide him. I think that those guys, you know, are some serious trouble for him. Not that he can't do well, but uh Makachev is like one that really fascinates me considering how well his takedown defense has continued to be. I struggle to see it being as good as that against Makachev, and I'm sure even names like Gamrot and uh, Sarukian could make things very interesting there too. But yeah, no, his performance against RDA was definitely very good. You could argue his best, um, maybe not the flashiest of knockouts or finishes that he has had in his career, but uh, yeah, very good, very impressive. The battle of Rafael and Rafael was fun stuff. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if next he he goes out and gets matched with Benil, Benil Dariush and uh, poor Benil loses after all the momentum he's gained. <laughs> I mean, I love the Gaethje fight. I actually think there's a very good chance that fight could happen because both are getting – I mean, the story's just there. It's just – it's kismet for those two guys because both fun strikers, both getting nose surgeries in the same month right around the same time, both looking to come back right around the same time. It just makes sense. It's like it's like, it's like a perfect thing between those two guys. And if Fazeev beats Gaethje, he's definitely got a claim for a title shot. Just don't know if he does – that. the constipated word uh, is a great one to describe lightweight, but – Last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Uh, Drake, outside of, holy crap, Fazeev is really, really good. What was your biggest takeaway from Vegas 58? <laughs> well, I like that takeaway. Well well said there, Mike. But, uh, man, biggest takeaway from that card. Um, I mean, Saeed Nurmagomedov is very, very talented and continues to show that the Bantamweight division is the best in the world 
across all organizations. I do not care. It is better than lightweight. I know Jed Ooh. will argue with this one. We've argued a oh, bit, man. but the depth of yeah, this you're just objectively fucking wrong, dude. Is like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I don't, Jose. If you're watching this, can you hop on real fast? Because I've had to make the point a million times, and I'm getting tired of it. It's just like. Yeah, I, they're smaller and it's they they move very quickly. It's just not as good a division. It's never been. But please continue, Drake. <laughs> well, Sayed Nurmagomedov looking phenomenal as a striker as a Nurmagomedov, which is something you don't often see. Um, I think I'd probably have to go with him as my highlight. I mean, the rest of this card didn't do anything too spectacular for me, but I do want to give an honorable mention to uh, Kennedy uh, and Zetchek Wu, if I pronounced that correctly, as well, who first cut through Carl Robertson like butter, um, you know, utilizing his wrestling, which is kind of something we've never really seen, especially in that degree before. So I think he deserves a shout out, but I think um, the continuation of Saeed proving how amazing the Bantamweight division is, is probably my highlight. Jed, your biggest takeaway from Vegas 58 outside of... Fazeev winning the battle of Rafael versus Rafa, uh, versus Rafael and us realizing that Fazeev's actually a really, really, really good fighter. I mean, that's the big takeaway. But the the other one is, uh, and Drake mentioned it, it it's Kenny and, and Chekwu. I mean, that the dude has a lot of potential just because of his sheer physicality. Like, he is enormous. Uh, and he looked great against Carl Roberson. Now, granted, Carl Roberson, former middleweight, not the greatest fighter in the world, but Kennedy's still relatively young, uh, especially for light heavyweight. And and that's it. I mean, we could also talk about uh, the lightweights because for as much as as much as people wrongly <laughs> want to say bantamweight's the best, like Jamie Malarkey and Michael Johnson are what top fifty lightweights. Come on, man, what are we even doing here? <laughs> those, those dudes are top fifty lightweights, and they're still better than most people in most divisions. It's the best weight class uh, because two top 50 dudes still put on one of the more fun fights on the card. Let's be honest. And Michael Johnson, I'm not going to say he got robbed, but like he has, he has a case to be angry about. Uh, so yeah, that's a, uh, you know, it was a, let's, let's be real. This card was a, was a pretty forgettable card. There were a lot of forgettable things that happened on it. Um, and we're, we're on to better ones because long Island, at least on paper, a little bit better and next week is London, and that's – let's go, baby. Love the London card. There we go. Is this the first show we've done as, like, the whole member and chat setup? I've, I've, it's the first time I've seen it. First time I've seen it, so this, this will be fun. What? This will be exciting. I guess there's some sort of new live chat scenario, thanks to the, uh, the MMA Hour uh, big fans. I don't know. But we have new men. Like you can become a member. I don't know. I don't know. This is no. all new to me. It's all too new to me, and this is all very Fancy. exciting stuff. But I, I hope all of- the people Drake brings with him from the fan base that I truly do not know where he gets it from. But credit to you, bud. I hope they're all paying to be members of our live chat now. Maybe if you actually came on and defended your friggin' title, they'd be here all the time, and we'd make a lot of money. What am I doing right now? <laughs> this here. Do you remember the last time we we did this dance? It was like two months ago. (laughs) Sure. It was last month. It was last month. I I call, I come whenever I'm called, man. (laughs) That's true. Put it on mic. I'll defend every week if I have to. Oh, okay. Now I I like where we're going here. (laughs) 
The points for round two, before we talk about something just really exciting, goes to... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk yeah, about let's this. skip the next round if we could. <laughs> yeah. Go to the ba- interim bantamweight champion, Drake Riggs, now that he has a haircut. He's now weighing in the bantamweight limits. Nicely done. Oh, right. I love the bantamweight division as well. Jed has a point. I it's think lightweight is. Oh, yeah. Listen, is I mean, probably have, the second you not best been watching guys like Davy Grant, Adrian Yanez, all these guys who we'll see. Like where they half, go. half of the MMA fighting bantamweight ranks are in Bellator. That's how I know it's not the best division in the sport. Because because <laughs> if Bellator owns a large number of good fighters in it, that division sucks ass. Boom, <laughs> lawyer. Can't fight wow. that argument, can you? Boom. Wow. That's that's why I argue it that it is better. Because <laughs> there's more from everywhere. You see, it's all top heavy with the UFC. Hey, listen, if if the UFC was WCW in the late nineties, the Bantamweight division would be the cruiserweight division of that WCW iteration, which is awesome. Not because there's a lot of people who just watched Nitro just to watch the cruiserweights run around, flip around, and just have these crazy wrestling matches, but the money was with Hogan and, you know, the money divisions, the, the the heavier guys. You know what I mean? But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about something that everybody, I mean, everybody is here to talk about. Professional boxing at Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, the world's most famous arena. We thought we were going to see Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury could not get into the United States. And instead, Jake Paul will take on 12 and one professional boxer, Haseem Rockman Jr. This is happening. And Amanda Serrano is on the under, is not the on the undercard. She's the co-headliner for her bout, but we're back to MSG with most valuable promotions. Jake Paul will, will close the show against Haseem Rockman Jr. Jed, I have to ask you, do you care at all about this? Like the other ones we at least could talk about and find ways to sell it. But golly, I have really tried to find a way to just like find a, something to like here. And I just can't. I can't find anything to like here. Do you care? Does this have potential to just be a thick flop altogether? I don't know. Um, I My care level is very low. I have a... I have at least a passing interest just because Jake Paul has become such a thing to us in this industry and and this sport that I am at least like, I'm going to get people that text me about that. Like that is a hundred percent a thing that will happen uh, in the next two weeks. So people will start being like, Ooh, this Jake Paul thing. So I have at least a marginal interest, mostly and honestly knowing the outcome uh, less in watching uh, the boxing match because it's, not good boxing um but i am any interest i have also ties to to some extent this does feel like jake paul is actually taking a risk and he has managed his career extremely well up to this point um where all of it has looked like there there was a case to be made that this was a risky step and i thought tommy fury made a lot of sense kind of going along that same thing uh but haseem rahman rockman jr arguably is is actually more risky just because he's a 
I'm not going to use the word more accomplished because he hasn't beaten almost – he's beaten nobody really worth their salt in boxing. The one good fighter he faced knocked him out. But he he's huge. He's an absolutely enormous person with a large size advantage, and he is a professional boxer at the minimum. And so this is a pretty big step up in that regard. So I guess – Theoretically, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? We're going to find out if Jake Paul is a celebrity boxer or if Jake Paul is, to some extent, a real boxer. Um, but I, I don't really care that much about it. Uh, it. It just sort of is a thing. And a lot of people are going to like it. And if you do it, that's cool. I'm not here to yuck your yum. But this one's not. Th- this one is much less for me than any of the others have been. What do you think about this, Drake? Because if you recall, when Jake Paul last graced the squared circle, you and I were there together in beautiful Tampa, Florida, when he knocked Great out time. Tyron Woodley to conclude one of the worst combat sports fights in the history of combat sports fights. This was a brutal fight with Tyron Woodley. It was a really tough watch. And we got the knockout, which sort of changed the narrative of it all. But it seems like even then... Losing Tommy Fury and then getting Woodley, that some of the steam was being lost here. Woodley knockout, he got a lot more steam. And then we just haven't seen him in a while. He got the promoter role, which is great. He has done tremendous in this foray to boxing. He's done an amazing job becoming Must Watch TV in a lot of ways. The promotion, what he did, being a part of the Amanda Serrano-Katie Taylor fight. like He's done a tremendous job. Do you care about this fight at all? Is this something that you are going to make sure that no matter what, on August 6th, my ass is on the couch, Showtime pay-per-view is on, and I'm taking the batteries out of the remote because I ain't changing the channel. (laughs) Oh, Mike, you're just asking questions. You know the answer to at this point. I could not... I literally could not care less about this fight. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really care about boxing in general, so this being a more boxing challenge and less weird freak show spectacle of sorts for jake makes me even less interested i'm going to do everything i can to be as far away from this fight as i possibly can mike i I want nothing to do with it this is already too much talking about it right now for me but um yeah and that's why i think it's kind of hilarious though because watch this will be the fight that people are the least interested in by a good margin and it will end up being the one where jake loses like i just have a feeling of the weirdness that's how the combat sports world likes to work where oh the guy that you want to see beat him or you just want to see him get knocked out it'll happen but it'll happen when no one's watching because no one cares about this fight and has no idea who he's fighting even with the tommy fury stuff i feel like that lost a whole lot of luster after everything that happened with the last supposed to be fight you know in the woodley rematch like you mentioned there and um it hasn't helped that jake has maybe been i don't want to say less active because he's always kind of around and you know keeping himself relevant but he i just feel like people have stopped caring a decent amount after the woodley one and i'm glad you mentioned how awful that fight was mike because if that knockout doesn't happen my goodness who knows where we go from there because there was practically nothing that happened in that fight up until that knockout um but yeah as for this this one right here it's it is what it is man like good for him to actually take a likely more boxing challenge and taking on a boxer so that's cool i'm glad to see him do that but obviously it's not what people kind of have gotten used to seeing from jake paul and necessarily want to see from him i think except for maybe people who are serious jake paul fans whether it's of him as an athlete or a personality so 
for me, I could do without either of those. Yeah, I call that a billion dollar punch. A lot of people feel like it's it's over exaggeration, but I don't think so. Like between the money he would have lost and the money he kind of gained back and what could come from that, I call that a billion dollar punch and I'm okay with that. So you mentioned the L word, Drake. You mentioned the L word. What happens if Jake loses this fight? What happens? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the funny thing too, right? Is if it does happen to an opponent like this, who, you know, the least known Rockman Jr. Um, out of everyone he has fought, there's multiple ways it could go. And I think the the obvious is like, all right, well, this completely kills Jake Paul's boxing career. He'll go away and continue to do his other stuff. Or people will give him the excuse of he lost to a boxer this time. Give him give him one more, see how he does like all right, this is what we waited for and knew was going to happen when it happened. So they'll kind of brush it off. And I mean, it depends on how he loses as well, right? If he does get knocked out or if it's a decision and is competitive, um, then, you know, I'm sure he'll get a pass potentially, or people will really slam him again, kind of depending on how he does lose potentially. Uh, It reminds me a little bit of, I guess, Logan's loss to what KSI or whatever. It seemed like people all thought that he wanted to win. And not that I cared much about that either, but from what I was seeing, uh, everyone kind of expected him to win. And then he controversially lost or whatever. So who knows if there's even funny business, but uh, I think that most likely he will get a pass because it's the first boxer and this was what we were waiting for to happen. I'm glad you brought the Logan thing up, Jed, because same question to you, because Logan loses to KSI or whatever. And what does he do? He gets the freaking Floyd Mayweather exhibition fight and probably made a gazillion dollars. I know he's saying that he didn't get paid, but who the hell knows? Now he's signed with WWE. So the loss to KSI didn't really hurt him. So I feel like a loss doesn't really affect him at all. In fact, you could make a case that a loss actually could maybe in the short term doesn't help him. But there's still, like, I feel like the pool of potential opponents grows significantly with the loss. Like, you could fight different athletes, different celebrities. You can go back to the MMA thing, the thing that was making you all this money and getting you all this attention in the first place. So would it be the worst thing in the world if he loses this fight? What happens if he does lose to Haseem Rockman Jr. on August 6th? No, it's fine if he loses this fight. Um, I think... It all depends because I don't I don't know how this plays out, right? Not this fight. I don't know how the Jake Paul career goes because it's really hard for me to see past the next two or three fights, right? Like I, I don't I do not know Jake Paul's fans. Fundamentally, don't understand them, so I don't know how much they have an appetite to watch him try to be a pro boxer, right? Like if this is so far, he has fought other big names and talked a bunch of shit and sold the fights in, in that way. And because that is new and different and he was fighting other famous-ish people, um, there's something compelling there. But if he beats the Seam Rockman Jr., I don't know what's next for him, right? Because then he's beat, even if Rockman Jr. is not like a great fighter or like a super pro or whatever, he's beat like a, an actual person whose job is boxing, uh, that like that is a profession that he will have now beaten and that feels like that puts him down a very different path because he's still obviously a lifetime away from getting a Canelo fight or like doing anything like that but at that point if he beats a real boxer it's like 
Anderson Silva is the only dude who makes sense for you next. And sure, I mean, maybe the Nate Diaz fight, maybe that still makes sense because it's Nate Diaz. But like those two fights make sense to me from a here, there's a baked in something here that people will have interest. I have no idea how long Jake Paul fans will want to watch him continue to just try and be a pro boxer. Maybe it's in perpetuity, in which case the loss doesn't hurt him. He's in the Conor McGregor zone and his fans are going to tune in like Jake's uh, like Drake's fans are going to tune into this show and, and skew the vote when I'm obviously <laughs> beating him pillar to post uh, like that's and that that fa- having a fan base and being beloved is that's a skill. And I'm if he can market it, that works for him. It feels to me like people who like Jake Paul because he did pranks or whatever the hell he did that unless they're naturally boxing fans, it feels like that dies out at some point. So I just don't know how that works. And in that regard, a loss is better because the loss does put him back on that here. Just fight a bunch of MMA fighters or a footballer or some, you know, some other athletes doing other things. And you can kind of stay in this celebrity gimmick as opposed to going down this other road. But honestly, I have no idea. Like to me, the most obvious thing is do his brother did. You box a couple of times and you go to the WWE. Like that's just go be a professional wrestler or you know, go join AEW instead of WWE. And then you can have your own area to do it. Like that just feels like the actual place that you're supposed to go. But I, I, I'm not good at predicting this. I I would have been wrong about basically every turn of Jake Paul's professional athletic career at this point. I'm on Ticketmaster right now. I'm just curious. I was just curious how ticket sales are doing for this card. They're not doing very well good. i mean they're not doing i mean at all <laughs> well, that, that's yeah. the other thing even, there's, there's, even jake, there's not much happening even jake in his own like uh shit talk video to connor which by the way that was the biggest bodying since like ether like oh my god that dude <laughs> killed connor like that if though if he said that to connor in his face connor has no choice but to swing on him like that <laughs> those are that is the definition of fighting words uh but in that he was like I sold 200,000 pay-per-view buys in the second fight with Tyron Woodley and no one wanted to watch. And it was like, it's kind of weird that you're admitting that because like those are Demetrius Johnson pay-per-view numbers. So I don't know about that. <laughs> but also then I was like, I mean, I get it. Short notice, a rematch no one cared about. But if if no one has cared about his opponents that much anyway, like he is the guy who's supposed to bring them in. So if his floor or close to his floor is 200K buys, like – this is going to do that number. It's going to do the same. And that I don't know how long that is a, a business strategy that other people will invest in or that he'll even be that interested in of, well, I can, I can box somebody in for 200,000 pay-per-view buys and paper an arena because I can't sell out the tickets to this. Like it, it, it feels like we should be coming to the end of his road here, but then he maybe then he does get to fight the Nate Diaz one, and then he fights Nate Diaz, and it'll that thing will do huge numbers, so it won't matter. Yeah, and he could fight Nate Whitter if he was here, as long as Nate could be free. Yes. Yeah. What, what Honestly, it's better if say, he loses to fight Nate. What percentage would you say of the seats is left? Oh, 70, probably. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, so tickets have- also couldn't have gone on sale I mean, they had to have gone on sale relatively recently. But yeah, it's, this thing was not knocking the doors down to go. The Serrano Taylor presale sold like 10,000 tickets, like just in the presale before they even went on sale in the public. So yeah, this is this is not good. Uh, they could get some late buys. Who the hell knows? Maybe they'll drop some tickets. I just don't know a world where someone's like, 
hey, you know what? This Saturday, let's go watch Jake Paul fight Haseem Rockman Jr. Oh, tickets for like the middle section are $256 to watch this. I just don't know a world where that happens. I will say this, going to Tampa and Drake, you were there. <laughs> They're all. <laughs> that, that Amelie Arena was packed. I mean, there yeah. were a ton of people there. I couldn't believe it. And there were a ton of people there from the get-go. Like from the first prelim, yeah, there were yeah. a lot of people there. I was stunned. I was honestly, I couldn't believe how many people were there. But oh well, no more Jake Paul talk until the week of the fight. So we'll take a couple of weeks off. Let us move on. Weeks. Yeah. So listen, two weeks off. Um, something the UFC hasn't said in quite some time. So the point for round three mm-hmm. goes to. It goes to Jed Mishu. It is two to one. Oh, good. The ghost. <laughs> hanging in there. <laughs> He's hanging in. He's hanging in so he can make it to the, at worst, he makes it to the knockout round. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, so let's go to this Saturday, and I am very excited for this Saturday, mostly because we get a big card, we get a big-ish card on ABC, and it starts at 11 a.m. Eastern. Prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern. The main card is at 2 p.m. Eastern. This is like right in the ABC wide world of sports wheelhouse in terms of when this will actually be on television live. If John Anik are not wearing the yellow ABC blazers. We have done something wrong. This is a terrible travesty. They should be wearing those gold ABC jackets in the world of wide world of sports, but that's neither here nor there. So, Jed, we'll begin with you. Describe the UFC Long Island lineup from top to bottom in one word and then explain yourself. Solid. Just it, It's just solid. Like it's, this is not a card that you call up your friends and are like, Hey, what are you doing Saturday afternoon? Because I know it's, I know it's July and the weather is gorgeous and we could do any number of things. We could go hiking. We could go to the park. We could just <laughs> sip beers and, and float down a river, but instead we should stay inside and watch people fist fight. This is not that card, but it is a very good card. If you, if you have nothing going on, if you broke your leg and can't go hiking, if it's raining, so the outdoor activities wherever you are are not as fun. Uh, it's a great card. And if you're on the East Coast, it's fantastic because you can watch this whole card and then you can go, then for the first time, and it feels like years, honestly, you can be like, cool, <laughs> I'm going to go to dinner with my friends, maybe go out and have a beverage, maybe have a lot of beverages. Totally fine because I don't need to be checking my phone for updates on what the hell happened on this fight night card. Uh, so it's a very solid card. Also, every fight on – I won't say that every fight on this card is good because not all of them are. I mean they're mostly fine. But 
I truly do not know the last time that every fighter on a card had a Wikipedia page and that card wasn't a pay-per-view because the hmm. pay-per-views usually are that way. 276 at least certainly was that. But I don't know the last fight night card where you could just be like, oh, all of these people have done enough in their lives to merit a Wikipedia page, which is not a high bar to clear because you can just go make your own. <laughs> so it's not a high bar to clear. But many people haven't. And so this one does. It's uh, The main event is awesome. Uh, Shane Burgos, Charles Jordan is awesome. Uh, most of the main card is at least relevant. The fights might not all be awesome, let's be real, but uh, Chanel Sumaderji, probably going to be really fun. Uh, and some of the undercard stuff is okay. So solid B, B-plus-ish card. Drake, what is your word to describe this card and explain why? So I'm going to go with, I think, the word hardcore. And I don't think it's exactly the perfect definition of a hardcore fight fan card because of the fact, well, there are all Wikipedia pages, like Jed said. But, I mean, in my opinion considering myself a hardcore and seeing some other people's online who maybe aren't as excited for this. I think that this card is, you know, exceptionally good for a fight night, especially compared to some that we've gotten recently. And I'm sure that helps because of ABC and whatnot. And, you know, Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy was moved off of the 276 one. And not to say that's going to be the best fight by any stretch of the imagination, but two uh, notable names, a former title challenger and then, um, you know, former champion. But, uh, yeah, no, I think this card is very good. I mean, you look at some of the fights that Jed even listed. He didn't even mention Ricky Simone and Jack Shore. Another great set of Bantamweights right there. My goodness, they're all <laughs> over the place, aren't they? So, I mean, that one yeah, right there could be. Those are top 20 Bantamweights. It is a very good fight. <laughs> There's that fight. I mean, uh, and even as early on as Dustin Jacoby, who's been doing well, Dylan Jung. Uh, and I'm really excited for Emily Dakota's debut, of course, in the UFC, former Bellator title challenger, recent Invicta champion, taking on Jessica Penne. I just think top to bottom, there is a whole lot to like, especially for somebody who has been following the sport closely. And even if you are a more casual fan, I would struggle to not be excited with, you know, just watching for that main event, which you are going to know. And then you'll be satisfied with what I, I can see a lot of finishes going down on this card. I mean, Puna Soriano is on it as well against Dolce. Uh, always fun to say Lungiambula, right? That's the opponent there in Burgos and Jordan, like Jed said. I mean, I, the only, there's only like two maybe matchups here that I am not like expecting to be at least thrilling in some aspect, but uh, I think there's a lot to like. And so in terms of a hardcore fan who should know every person on this card in particular, I don't see how you don't really feel excited for this. And, you know, of course, maybe if it's earlier for you, like it is me on the Pacific coast, that's a little bit of a bummer, but uh, then, Hey, you can get it out of the way and you can go have all the fun in the afternoon. Like Jed was talking about over on my side. So that's I think even this better is better for you. Yeah, yeah. You so to, you get to enjoy the lovely weather and the you know the sun. Finally, finally coming around over here. But yes, <laughs> yeah, you get to go to the beach and go out at night. We just get to like go out at night. So there you go. We talked about we've talked about the stakes of the main event quite a bit. We all, I think, I, I know I feel, and I've said for a while, even after Josh Emmett beat Calvin Cater, that if Yair Rodriguez beats Brian Ortega, he's getting the next title shot against Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that's where the promotion goes. Yair has said that's what the UFC has told him as well. But Jed, what happens if Brian Ortega wins this fight? 
does he get a title oh. shot? Did they run this one right back? Does Josh Emmett get a title fight or are they going to have to fight each other? I'll be the saddest panda that has ever lived if Brian Ortega wins. And it's like, it seems like he's going to, like, it's certainly the most likely outcome. And I can't, I still don't like Brian Ortega. I still think he's not very good, even though he is objectively one of the three or four best featherweights in the world. I don't understand him. He doesn't make sense to me. Um, And he's probably going to lose. He's probably going to be losing every second. Like, like always going to lose every single second of this fight uh, until he just throttles. Uh, uh, Yeah. yeah. That's just how (laughs) his fights goes. The one exception being Korean zombie, I guess the two exceptions being Korean zombie where he was never losing that fight. Max, where he just did the losing the fight and not the miracle comeback part. The rest of it, he just loses every fight he's in, then he has a miracle comeback. Um, And so that's probably what's going to happen, and it's going to suck because I'll have to once again come on our post-fight show and be like, Brian Ortega won, yeah. Uh, And then when he wins, he's not going to get a title fight just because we already did that song and dance. He needs to do more to get himself back. Or at least, dear God, I hope so, because I really want Brian, really want Alexander Volkanovsky to fight other dudes instead of just fighting the same guy over and over and over again. It'd be great for him to actually defend against the rest of the division. But if Ortega wins, he's not going to, because if Ortega wins, then they're going to just run him into a lightweight title fight, which is stupid because that division is also clustered at the top because, as Drake mentioned on a previous question, Connor might come back and do some dumb stuff. We still don't really have absolute clarity on who's going to fight for the vacant belt. It's just a bunch of chicanery going on. And instead of Volkanovski defending against Emmett or Arnold Allen or any of the other like seven dudes at featherweight who have come on in the last year and a half, he'll just go up to lightweight and then Ortega will fight Josh Emmett in a number one contingent match, which sucks because he'll definitely submit Josh Emmett. And then Volkanovski will just fight Brian Ortega when he comes back to featherweight and we'll somehow be talking about him being the greatest featherweight of all time, which is obvious horse shit because it's obviously <laughs> Jose Aldo at this moment in time. I'm not saying Volk couldn't get there, but he'd do a lot if he just stopped beating Brian Ortega and Max Holloway over and over and over again because that's not how you declare yourself the greatest by just beating the same two dudes in circles for years. So I am the world's biggest Yair Rodriguez fan this weekend. And dear God, I hope he does it. Please, please, everything is so much better if he wins. Jed, are you pretty much declaring Brian Ortega as the featherweight Derek Lewis here? I just got to make the comparison. Oh, uh, I previously, Derek Lewis, uh, Brian Ortega, and Yoel Romero. Interestingly, I love both (laughs) Derek Lewis and Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero, I may be the biggest stand of in the entire world. Brian Ortega, I... I have never cared for, but they're all very similar in that they lose fights until they win fights because they're, they are predatory fighters. They are not, they, they, they win wars, they lose battles. And I understand that in in like a baseline, but it makes a lot more sense to me when like Derek Lewis just hammer jacks some dude with lunchbox. It's like, Oh yeah, he just knocked that dude out. It's not like, Dude, you train with BJJ black belts all the time. Why are you giving him your neck? Like, what are you doing, Cubs? Like, what are you doing, Cubs Swanson? What are you? You're a black belt yourself. What are you doing? Just doesn't. I don't understand it because he is a he is obviously incredibly talented in a way that I can't quite put the pieces together to. 
Right, and so I hate drink whatever. because you all you hate what you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the world works. Uh, yeah. Drake, would you would you understand what would happen in the UFC's eyes if Brian Ortega wins on Saturday? Would I understand what would happen? Uh, I mean, if if we're talking in terms of him getting another title shot. I mean, I don't, dis- I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't think that the winner of either, either man, whoever wins this fight should get the title shot. And I think it would be a whole lot more likely for, or, well, I mean, it makes more sense if you were to give it to Yair because he hasn't fought Volkanovsky before. Um, and Ortega obviously is, he's coming off of the Volkanovsky loss going into this one. So it still feels very fresh, but again, they could be like, Oh, that first fight was so great. When really it was only just the fact that Ortega almost got him. Like it was one, it was one side of traffic for Volkanovsky as it has typically been outside of the Holloway rematch. Right. Um, and that made the fight very fun. And what I think the UFC even, even gave that fight of the year last year, which is kind of funny. I mean, uh, was in crazy moments and whatnot, but I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, so, I think Josh Emmett has definitely been the guy to earn it here at featherweight. And I would like to see fresh faces. I'm always about fresh matchups too. So I agree with Jed there. Like you got to see these champions beat more people rather than the same guy over and over before you can declare them the goat. I've been saying the same thing about Kamara Usman lately. And yes, it's not these fighters faults that they're beating people and then they're rematching them like the ufc can throw at them whoever they want but before you start making these crazy claims let's hold on you know look at what other people have done the gsps the aldos who beat everybody before finally being toppled um before we can declare you as the best ever as you're still in the middle of making this a reality but either way that's going off on a tangent as for this matchup here it'll be very fun very exciting and just because of that alone even if it's close you could see the winner coming out is is on abc so extra exposure like it has all the makings of jumping over josh emmett but at the same time i still kind of struggle to see them actually going through with it just because of the fact it seems hard to sell the potential Ortega rematch this quickly again, depending on how this fight plays out. And then for Rodriguez, yes, he has a great fan base and you could get, you know, the Latin America on his side there to get them excited. They'll watch whatever, uh, supporting their guy in a title shot, but I don't know. It just seems out of place for logically and merit merit wise, which doesn't usually matter to the UFC, but, um, I don't know. It's very, it's a very odd situation here with the featherweight division. Now, as Volkanovski continues to dominate and is teasing lightweight and Dana even said he can do whatever he wants. So who knows? Maybe Volkanovski does go up, fight Oliveira in the meantime. And then we see the winner of this fight take on Emmett, which I wouldn't hate that actually, because I think Volkanovski or uh, Oliveira would be absolutely insane. Well, there you go. I don't think Jed loves that idea. I don't think Jed loves the idea of Volk going up to 155 and fighting either of those guys, but we'll see. I'm fine with it if he just just ditch featherweight and do it, man. Like, just do that. Like, you want to go? Cool. And don't come back. Golly and give you the free shot, but just you're there now. That's where you live. That's the world you live in. And this is not a Volk-specific thing. I've felt this way about every fighter in every division forever because it just, just fosters everything up to hell. When you're like, all right, cool. They can go do this thing unless like the only fighter and obviously that wouldn't happen that I think ha- actually deserves it at this moment in time would be Israel Dissonia because he has actively cleaned out his division. If you look at the UFC's rankings, look at our rankings, he's beaten like 
most of the dudes in the top 10 of that weight class. He's already also made the effort and it failed. So you don't let him do it again because he, he tried it the one time and it didn't work. But like, folks beating two guys in the top five. Beat more of them and then you can go do the two-way thing. Otherwise, just go. Just You go like, hey, I just want to go get that one. I'm like, cool. Leave 145. Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, you two can fight it up for the vacant belt. Like, let's do that. That, that works for me. There you go. All right. Point for round four goes to it goes to Drake. It is two to two. You know what that means. It is time for the knockout round question. One minute. We'll be on the clock. <laughs> one, one minute. We'll be on the clock and each individual will have a chance to answer a question and once that minute is up, we'll go to the peeps. They will decide who they thought won the matchup in the poll that will be in there. And then E. Casey Lyon will come on and he will announce the winner of the matchup. So, Drake, you are the champion. You have the prerogative. What do we want to do here? Do you want to go first or do you want to pass it on over to Jed Mishu? I'll pass it to the challenger, Mike. All right. So we have a, a, a little – it's the same question, but you have – but it'll be multiple sides here, Jed Bishu. This is a question that was asked to me on Instagram, so I thought I would present it here on BTL. So, Jed, you can okay. choose this door number one. I assumed it was. <laughs> you can choose door I'll number take, one number or two. door number two. Number right, two, my Door Lord. number two. So we are talking about the future of the 205-pound division. Oh, right? it is Yuri Prohashka. Yuri Prohashka has come out and said he's going to fight Glover Teixeira. For the title that's what he wants and i feel like the ufc is probably going to do that because like we've said many times if you're going to do the glover rematch you have to do it now otherwise it's just not going to happen so apparently i mean there are multiple people who are eyeing this title but there are two that are kind of at the top of the conversation right now one not surprising the other very surprising so jed you chose door number two you are the reigning defending undisputed welterweight champion of the world you are kamara usman you are going to take one minute and defend your statement that you're ready to jump up to 205 and that you should be the next guy outside of glover to yuri prohashka to fight for the title one minute on the clock mr usman your time starts now i mean guys did did you see the photo you see me and Jan. Jan, I know Jan's talking all this this nonsense about dropping to 185 and facing Israel Adesanya. I can't move up to 185. Three kings. I can't do it. I'm not going to come at my boy, though I would obviously kick the shit out of my boy should I want to do that. So you know what? I'm hunting bigger game. The biggest game, the 205-pound Yuri Prohashka, that wild man. Let me do that. You saw the photo, me and Jan, basically the same size. In the words of Mike Goldberg, virtually identical so i don't know why i can't go up and fight the 205 because i can't do the middleweight one and everybody else is doing you really let volkanovsky do it i was pound for pound king way longer than volkanovsky is and we're suddenly gonna let him move up weight class i can't do it so if izzy's gonna hold tight to his and he has to because he's fighting Pereira next and props my boy's gonna beat Pereira. i gotta go on up it's cool glover's old jan's also old no one gives a shit let me fight Prohashka. Wow, there you go. 
We Honestly, heard from probably better Jed. than he would have done. Yes, Jed Mishushman getting it done. And <laughs> sure, sure. his claim <laughs> for the two. For the two hundred five pound title. But that <laughs> all right. So Drake, that means you are the other side of this coin. You are the man who holds not only a new haircut, but the man who holds the legendary Polish power and once held this title, the 205-pound title. Jan Bohovic, who feels like the champion has dishonored the samurai code by saying one thing and then going out on social media and doing the complete opposite. So why are you the guy that should be fighting next for the title, not Glover Teixeira or getting the winner of this fight? Why are you the guy more so than Jed Mishushman? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Well, I mean, first of all, Yuri, man, what is going on here? You told me that you would give me the title shot. We were having a very friendly conversation between two very scary European men. Imagine just how big that this fight could be for our country. Now you go back on it, turning the samurai the code away i mean i thought this was what you were all about is it the noose that i carry to the octagon with me and gives me my power are you afraid of that along with the legendary polish power i mean i've been so good recently i was a former champion what more do you need i just beat a guy in alexander rockage without even touching him i beat the guy i didn't even have to hit him and he went down that's how good i have been and you know glover to maybe he got a win over me but it was a fluke think of what we could do for european mma you are a liar yuri prashka and just because of that alone we should settle things we're no longer friends you've been knocked out by king mo before imagine what i would do to you yuri i get why you don't want to fight but this is the one to make I mean, what a spirited battle. And it, it just so happens that as this is going down, a absolute monsoon, and I mean a scary yeah. storm, has hit the low country. So we need to do this relatively quickly. Uh, so get your votes in. <laughs> That's how it goes. Before man. I lose power. Yeah, this is going to happen. Umbrella. Friggin it's always friggin' Thursday. It's always between 3 and like 4.15. <laughs> you should have asked me before you moved down. I could have told you. I didn't think this would be like an every single day thing. Um, oh, it but, really is. <laughs> Where are you, Mike? Are you not have, in Carolina anymore? No, I'm in South Carolina. I'm a oh, low country here in South Carolina, just getting absolutely <laughs> monsooned upon. But a little programming note, so much content on the podcast network. It's absolutely ridiculous. The ranking show, uh, we have no bets barred. We have multiple episodes of Heck of a Morning. Uh, Dan, they were good. The Donald Cerrone episode is about to head on up. That was a, a very good Jed and AK and myself. Um, we'll have the weigh-in show 8 a.m. tomorrow. And that's going to go from 8 to 10 Eastern. Then we'll have a heck of a morning. Then we'll have a preview show Saturday. People's pre-fight show, post-fight show, on to the next one on Sunday, so forth and so on. So, Casey, let's go to you. Let's get... Let's figure out who won this damn thing. Is it... And still... Drake Riggs? Or... Once again... Jed Mishu. Look at how, I mean, just look at how well-dressed both of these guys are. I mean, oh, this I is full, I could go tough. full top button. Yeah, you yeah, want to go, go all the way buttoned up? Oh. Is that the better look? Wow. Uh, I, I, I right. got to well, do a new I've actually now. never buttoned everything. the top button here. 
Yeah. So you gotta, go, you gotta go top button. Oh yeah. All right. Top button. This is a button. golf shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly do not go top it button. Everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, looks like everyone has their votes in. Ooh. Wow. All right. Ooh. Is that? Wait a minute. Is that? Is that an ooh? What wow. Like this is really close. Or is this an ooh? Wow. This is an absolute annihilation. I'm gonna assume it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Call it a hunch. Oh boy. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Oh boy. This is scary. Your winner. Ooh. <laughs> today. With 55% of the votes. Oh. And still, Drake Riggs. Ah, all right. Yeah, that was good, Chad. Listen, you're getting yeah, better and better. Closing the gap. And like, yeah, six more title defenses, you might <laughs> yeah. get this thing done. In, in like a real world where Drake doesn't, his mom doesn't have like 18 burner accounts and is just spamming votes. <laughs> Like the plus minus for Drake and the people he brings is like 12 points. So I actually won by a lot in like a regular poll. So I feel great. Good battle. Well done, everyone. As as Greg Jackson once said, get some fans, Jed. Come on. Ah, And for those of you who don't, and those of Drake's fans who donated $1.99 or whatever it costs to be a member, thank you very much. Drake, 30 seconds, my man. What would you like to say? Is your record improves to four and two? Oh, man, it feels great to go to four and two, Mike. I mean, the wins keep racking up the title defenses. Let's just uh, remember to stay positive, you guys, in this crazy world we live in. Be friendly to one another. Don't need to be mean all the time. And uh, you know what? I actually want to make a call out, Mike. And (gasps) I think it would be be a first. I think it would be a very first time that we would see this person on BTL, at least as a competitor. So I want you, Mike Heck. I want to take on the man himself for my next title defense. Can we make oh, this happen? That. We could have good call Casey I... run the show. Or Jed, somebody. Oh, bullshit. Bullshit. I'm hosting. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute what nonsense. You, what, what do you think, Jed? You want to you host? I will absolutely uh, we'll host. Happen? I used to call Drake. out Casey all the time when Casey was <laughs> the, the judge, jury, and executive producer, and we never got to do it. Because you guys, you just protected Casey. Because I maintain Casey's the only man who's ever defeated me in this show. Uh, so I'll absolutely do if you want to run that. My only thing is, at some point, <laughs> at some point, are we gonna get the Connor, the Connor Jose fight? Like that's that's the I'm one. I'm trying, man. man. Connor's, uh, Connor said, the, Connor said he's gonna be bu- really busy the next couple of weeks. So when he is available, we will make that happen first uh at the first opportunity but if drake if drake wants to take host mike out of this middle spot and over to the right spot and he turns into boston mike if that's what drake really wants i will make I that really happen and it mike won't be pretty <laughs> it won't be pretty there will be yelling there will be changing of accents probably multiple times. <laughs> if you listen to the last few episodes of Heck of a Morning, Boston Mike has been unleashed a couple you, of different times. You slip it out <laughs> every once in a while. It's awesome. It's the most yeah. fun. It will be a monsoon the but whole I, show. Ooh. Yeah, I accept. <laughs> I accept, and I can't wait two weeks from right now Let's go. to host this show with a belt on my shoulder, Drake Riggs. Let's go. You can hit the music, Let's Casey. Go. Hit the music. Well done. I'm sweating. 
It's 114 <laughs> degrees in here. Let's go. You're going down, Drake. You can bring all oh, the minions it's on. you want. Because I got cousins and lots of them, and they'll all be here <laughs> donating their 199. You have, so. you have Boston, and Boston is everywhere. <laughs> it's true. We are everywhere. We're taking They're just over, everywhere. I right. don't understand. <laughs> That's it. But until that. He's got even less hair than I do. Yes, I'm he growing does. it out. No, it's gone tomorrow. <laughs> but for Drake Griggs, for Jeff Shoe, I am Mike Keck. We'll see you back here once again between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.